it's all about finding your adventure, you know, like, I, that's the thing that I love so much. Like, I don't, I don't even really think about the workout anymore. I just think of like, what adventure can I go on? I always just want to go on an adventure, <laughs> you know, it's like, um, what thing can I discover? And and that's just so exciting. And, and to build up to being able to go on bigger adventures, I think is the ultimate goal. You know, it's like, whoa, okay, so now I've done this 17 mile hike with all, you know, climbing all these mountains, and I saw even more than I thought I could possibly see in a day. And so now, you know, what else is possible? But I also, I also have to say, like you were saying, those easier days are also magnificent. You know, like I think it's very easy and sometimes upsetting when it's like the ultra things just keep getting bigger and now people are running a hundred miles and now people are running 200 miles and now people are like, you know, living on the trail for a month, which is cool and fun and good for them. But, you know, it doesn't always have to be, okay, now I've done 17, I have to do 18, and then I have to do 20. It can also be like, okay, that was a really big adventure, and but also today I just want to walk down to the pond with my dog, and that's also an adventure, you know? Like, I can also just, like, chat with someone who's fishing, and that can be just as fulfilling as literally being on the, the highest mountain in Colorado. So I think it, yeah, it's all about the balance. It's all about like just listening to your body and, and doing what makes you happy today. to the Maximum Enthusiasm Podcast, the exploration of life fully optimized with Megan Hotman. Hey, Maximum Enthusiasm Podcast listeners, welcome back. This episode is brought to you by my friends over at Relish Studio. Check them out on the web at relishstudio.com. They are a digital marketing firm devoted to purpose-driven business leaders, and their goal is to guide and support their customers as they realize the full potential of marketing to fuel both business and personal growth. Speaking from personal experience, I have worked with Relish on websites, logo design, and in fact, the editing of this very podcast. I can't say enough about them, and my friend Stu is just a wonderful human. He is totally in alignment in terms of environment and sustainability, two things I'm very passionate about. And in fact, their entire business is a 1% for the planet partner, which means they're giving back a percentage of their revenue to environmental causes and organizations. I just love these guys. I can't say enough about them. If you decide to check them out and you want to hire them for a new job, make sure you mention the Maximum Enthusiasm podcast to them and they will offer you a 10% discount off of their normal rate on their first engagement with you. Check them out, relishstudio.com. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the Maximum Enthusiasm podcast. 
it has been a few months since we last posted and recorded back in April. We did the Rim to Rim to Rim show with my friend Danny, and it has just been an action-packed, really crazy summer ever since. And uh, I, I don't post these shows on a regular schedule. I usually just do interviews as I meet people or have experiences that I think are worthy of sharing. And so... Uh, over the last couple months, I've had the chance to get to know Micah, a new friend who I've had the chance to ride bikes with a couple times, and we met when she did an interview with me for a piece she was writing for Outside Magazine. You'll hear in our interview about her freelance writing um, as a profession, and, and in getting to know her, just really wanted to share some of her story and especially some of this really cool map project that she's working on. So... I'm really excited to share today's episode with you, and I think she left us with some really good takeaways and tips, not only on how to approach some of these outside adventures with both respect and preparation, but also how to just get out and live life really fully, and you can hear it in her voice. She truly is like a kid in a candy shop when it comes to exploring in the outdoors. And it's really a contagious and uplifting and inspiring personality and, and mentality and approach to life that she has. So you can see why I enjoy spending time with her. And you can also definitely see why I'm really excited to bring her to the podcast. Um, just to sort of bring listeners up to speed on what's been going on over the last few months and just to share a few things that I have really enjoyed. Um, let me just start with some books I've read this summer. Uh, the Midnight Library arrived in my mailbox from someone uh, anonymous, and it is a fiction book. I don't typically read much fiction, but the book was really impactful, and I highly recommend it. Uh, it talks about the different ways that our lives can turn out based on one specific decision that we make. And so it sort of is an alternative ending type of a, a discussion about our lives. And um, then when I was traveling back in May, I picked up Matthew McConaughey's book, Green Lights at the Airport, somewhat skeptically thinking it might be sort of a light, jovial read. And instead, I was really struck with his candor and his um, humble nature. And I really enjoyed the book. I actually couldn't put it down. So I, I definitely recommend that from what I understand, he does it in the uh, audio format. He reads the book um, himself. So if you enjoy his voice, you may want to listen to the audio version. Right now I'm working my way through essentialism for the second time. Uh, can't recommend that book enough. Just really talking about how frankly difficult it is to distill our daily lives back to the basics and to the true priorities. Um, in that vein, today I took part in a seminar with a uh, presenter who talked about really um, efficiencies in work, and he talked about managing things like email and social media and Slack channels and, and Microsoft Teams, and he had some really great advice, some of which I'd already done, like taking um, all notifications off, shutting them all off. I, I did that years ago. He also recommended that we not really invest much time and energy in the news and certainly not having those notifications blowing up our phone. 
He recommended taking the email app off of our phones and only doing email on our computers, which makes sense for so many reasons, um, not the least of which is sort of knee-jerk reacting in the moment to emails, as I've been known to do, as well as just from a typo's perspective. Um, and we're also a faster typer on our computer, so it's more time efficient to do emails on our computer. And then really restricting the number of times and the amount of time that we give our emails during the day. So I've employed some of those strategies and um, also removed the Facebook app from my phone again. I had only just re-added it back in May when we lost a very dear friend of mine um, in a cycling collision and have removed that social media from my phone again and removed a bunch of other apps uh, as well. And so... Um, those two subjects have just tied really neatly together and just really focusing again on that essentialism uh, approach to life and focusing on what just really truly matters in terms of to-do lists and as we structure and schedule our days. Um, right now I'm, I'm reading a book called The Radium Girls, R-A-D-I-U-M. This was a book that was given to me from the Missouri Trial Attorneys Association after I spoke there at their convention a couple months ago. And it's about women who painted the dials on watches during the war using paintbrushes that they would dip in their mouths and then dip into this substance called radium, which is what gave the dials their iridescent glow. Super interesting book. Of course, it involves lawyers, very Aaron Brockovich type uh, story and um, haven't finished it yet, but it's a very compelling and true, true story about an event in history I had never heard of prior to getting this book. I did touch on it a moment ago, but, but in May, um, so after we recorded our last episode in April, um, unfortunately, a very dear friend of mine and of, of many people in the cycling communities, Gwen Inglis, was hit and killed while riding her bike with her husband, Mike, on the morning of May 16th. In Lakewood, Colorado, she was riding in a very large bike lane in broad daylight, 10 a.m., and was hit from behind by a motorist and killed instantly. And we've really all been reeling from that ever since. And I won't go into all of that, but you can find a lot about that um, on our website and on my Instagram um, if you care to dig into that more. It's still very much unfolding in the wake of that and really sort of grappling with the reality of, of what I'm still doing in this profession 11 and a half years later where we are face-to-face -face with fatalities involving cyclists on a daily basis, just last month in July, I launched a brand new initiative called the Cycling Collective. It is a group of attorneys across the country dedicated to making cycling safer. And what we're doing is partnering up in both client cases as well as in advocacy um, measures really taking a stronger stance with prosecutors who are consistently letting drivers off easy and not punishing them when they hurt or kill a cyclist and getting more involved in data collection and really looking at what the numbers tell us about um, not only where collisions are taking place and why, but then what the punishments are, if any, that are being rendered um, or meted out against these drivers. So it's, it's a new movement. I'm really excited about the direction and the momentum it has behind it already. You can read more about it at our website, thecycling-collective.com. 
And um, I'll just lastly close with a website I just created to provide resources to people who are maybe in the throes of dealing with a bike crash. Maybe they're literally at the scene of a bike crash having just been hit by a motorist, or maybe they've just witnessed a cyclist hit, or maybe it's their friend or their riding teammate um, who's just been hit. It's called yourbikecase.com. And it is intended to be very quick and easy to access very important tips and pointers for people who are in the midst of the crash or post-crash treatment, medical care, recovery, as well as the decision whether or not to hire an attorney. So we kind of talk about the pros and cons of hiring attorney versus not. Um, so hopefully that website can provide some resource. I also would say that I hope you never need any of the information on it, and hopefully you never need to contact us at the Cycling Collective too. But in the event that you do, now you know where to find us. And just want to give a last shout out to our friends over at Relish Studio. They have been helping us produce this podcast since 2018. In fact, it commenced right around the time of Gravel Worlds in 2018, and I know that because those were some of the very first episodes that we recorded. And here I am about a week out from shipping off to Gravel Worlds, the 2021 version. And I'm really excited to get back to Nebraska and take part in that event again after it was done as a virtual event in 2020 due to COVID. So full circle, here we are three years later, still recording podcasts and in large part, huge thanks to Stu over at Relish for continuing to produce our podcast for us. We have since sent very many other folks who are doing their own pod podcasts to him and his team as well. Since the reality is that for most of us who want to do podcasting, we want to interview guests and we want to do the audio recording and we want to work on the website, but we don't want to do the post-production compilation of the actual audio file. So Stu and his team take care of that. And it's because of them that you have a show to listen to. And it's because of them that we've continued to do this. So huge thanks, immense gratitude to Stu. Check them out at Relish Studio. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in. Apologies for the silence the last few months. But if you ever want to read more, um, visit my website, meganhotman.com for my latest adventures in the van. And um, of course, follow along at MaximumEnthusiasm.com. Thanks so much. Miss Micah Ling, welcome to the Maximum Enthusiasm podcast. How are you today? Thanks so much. I am doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I want to provide our listeners a bit of context. You and I just got to spend an entire day together just yes. a few days ago. Yes. We were part of a four-woman team that took part in the Rafa Prestige in Aspen, and you and I just clicked off about 110 miles and a little yeah. under 8,500 feet of climbing along the way, and we got yeah. to talk about all kinds of things. Yes. And frankly, that's really what precipitated or motivated or, or led to us getting on this podcast together. So thanks for joining me. Yes, and thank you so much for, for asking me to do this and inviting me on. I, I'm honored. <laughs> well, you have so much interesting stuff going on in your life that I feel like it's actually a bit perplexing to me that you're not on more podcasts more often. So maybe you're the greatest undiscovered secret that we're about to tell everyone about. So maybe this will be the, the precipice of uh, a thousand podcast interviews from here on out. Yeah, <laughs> we could say we were the first. 
Um, yeah, um, that's awesome. I feel like I, this is the first time that I've ever been kind of on the other side. I don't do a podcast, but my whole life is interviewing people, lots of times adventure, endurance athletes. And, um, and so I'm, I'm always the one like asking the questions and, and getting cool stories from people going on big, big adventures. And, um, so yeah, this is, this is kind of funny for me. This is the first time I've ever been like, Oh, I'm the adventurer. (laughs) And you're the interviewee. Well, and yeah, on that note, let's actually just start there and give the listeners a bit of your life context before we jump into a couple of the specific adventures I want to talk about. But you are a freelance writer for some major sporting publications like Outside, which is how you and I first connected regarding some of Outside's coverage in 2020 of the cycling deaths and um, cycling collisions across the country. So what are a few of the other publications you regularly write for? And are there any stories that just really stand out to you as tremendously inspiring or really cool people you've met that we need to go look up your articles? Um, Yeah. And thank you, by the way, for being uh, a source for that. Sure. That project was, was so tough and, and so necessary. And I was um, really glad to work on that project with Outside Magazine, um, just bringing some light to the people that have been taken away uh, unnecessarily. And right. uh, yeah, that was, that, was a, that was a tough project, but I, I really appreciated your your voice on that article. Um, Absolutely. Well, thanks for covering the topic. It so needed that level of exposure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I, one thing that I, you know, am grateful for in, in my job that is uh, kind of a a constant hustle (laughs) is that I get to pick the stories and I'm not sure if that's necessarily known or thought about, um, when people hear, you know, that you're a freelance writer, um, I don't know if people know like how that all works, but it is, at least in my experience, the hunting down stories and finding, you know, inspirational people and just people who have a story to tell that, that people should hear and see. And so, um, I'm always writing about like I'm I'm always writing about things that are wildly interesting to me and people that just inspire me. So in that respect, my job is just super fun because any any if I'm writing about you, it's because <laughs> I'm a bit of a fangirl and like I am so impressed by you. So yeah, in that regard, like <laughs> every that single is so awesome. I write about is because I've like fought for this article and I right. found this story and I've been like, we need to write this article. Like I'm going to figure out how, and if, you know, especially if it's, if it's a story that's like means so much to me, a lot of times it'll get turned down by a publication or two publications or five. And it's those stories that you just keep pushing that are like, no, no, no. <laughs> I know that this needs to be told. I'm not giving up on it. So Wow. There's times when you find like, okay, it's not quite right for that magazine or this publication, but I'm going to figure this out. (laughs) And so, yeah, it's cool when those puzzle pieces finally land and then you actually get to start doing the work of telling the story. 
Um, and I, one thing that I am constantly striving towards is, is telling like underrepresented stories is finding those voices that haven't been heard. You know, every magazine has a staff. <laughs> and so the really obvious stories just get assigned to, to somebody on staff, you know? So I'm never pitching stories about like, you know, the most obvious pro runner doing something amazing again, you know, I'm always finding the stories that are like, no one has found this person yet, or nobody knows this story yet. And I'm going to tell it. So, so it's a lot of like, just keeping your eyes and ears open. And, you know, finding those, those people and those, those stories about amazing things that are kind of under the radar. And, and that's really fun too, because it's like, yeah, sure. This person who's getting paid a salary to do this thing is doing amazing things, but also, you know, there's this person just in this little mountain town doing amazing things too. <laughs> So you're kind of always in field research mentality. Yeah. You're literally always uncovering um, people's stories, which is pretty neat. That's a pretty pretty cool mindset to just approach yeah. life in general with. And as you alluded to, I did not realize that the work of a freelancer meant that you are always hustling and pitching stories rather than being asked to write about a certain topic. So I do yeah. love that you get to craft your content by what really piques your interest. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, occasionally, like actually it just happened this week. If somebody, like if an editor that I've worked with many times knows, you know, that I know lots about biking, they, they'll reach out to me and be like, you can cover this. Are you up for it? But 80 to 90% of the time it's me hunting down stories. Yeah. Well, it's a great place for people to go and be able to access some of the stuff that you've written in Runner's World, Bicycling, Triathlete, Outside Magazine, some of these other cool publications is on your website, which is micaelizabethling.com. Yeah. And um, we'll have a link to that on our podcast website at MaximumEnthusiasm.com so that folks cool. can click that easily and then click those links easily. And I highly recommend that people do that. But the most important part of your website for today's discussion specifically is on your about page, this life in the map concept. And this is really what you and I have been talking so much about. You're relatively new to Salida. You just moved here last fall from Loveland. And before that, you were out in New York City. And it sounds like you moved here with just sort of a, a little glimmer in your eye of wanting something really compelling as a 2021 goal. And this map found you, is that accurate? Yeah, Yeah, that's, yeah, that's spot on. Um, yeah, my husband and I moved in October, 2020 to this little mountain town that we've always been so fond of, you know, just, um, coming from the front range, whenever you needed an escape, you always head to the mountains. And, um, we have some friends who have 170 acres out here. And so we would always come down to Buena Vista or Salida and just, you know, linger and drag our feet back. (laughs) And um, when the pandemic hit and uh, all offices sort of dissolved and it became apparent that almost everyone can work from home. (laughs) Yeah. We, yeah, we decided, well, 
we can definitely both work from home and that means we can be anywhere. And so we, we headed to Salida and um, yeah. And so, you know, for the first, and even now we're like what nine or 10 months in and it still seems sort of like we're still on just a very long weekend. Oh, that's cool. And um, so I knew, yeah, I knew I wanted to just explore the mountains and just like see it all, but I didn't know, (laughs) I didn't know exactly how that would happen. Um, And so I was just in a local bike shop and I just asked, as I recommend you always do, I've done this everywhere I visit, like (laughs) just always go to the local bike shop and ask, where should I ride? (laughs) Because they're not going to send you on the road that everyone knows. They're going to send you on something that you couldn't find on your own or they would take some serious digging. So sure enough, they sent me on just this 25 mile gravel ride and it was totally blew my mind. I was just like, Whoa, that was probably one of the best (laughs) rides I've had ever. And it was just this like, Oh, you should go check out, you know, Drony Gulch. And so, yeah. And so they had pointed it out on a map. And so while I was there, I was like, Oh, I'll just pick up this map. And, um, it's a latitude 40 topo map. Um, and then, and so once I got it home and I put it up on my wall, I noticed that on the side, there were like 75 trail recommendations on the map. So, um, so I just started looking, I started looking them up online and was just like, Oh man, this is Okay. I'm going to do all of these because if that ride was on this map, then maybe they're all as incredible as that ride was. And honestly, I'm not exaggerating. They are like everything, all the recommendations on the map are every single one so far has just been like, what? (laughs) This is so cool. And, um, (laughs) <laughs> so I, lo- I looked latitude 40 up too because i was just like this is such a cool map i want to know more about these people who made these recommendations and it's this couple which by the way i'm writing about these people <laughs> okay great i was hoping you were gonna say that yeah. um it's this couple who started making maps 40 years ago and they were like mountain biking you know in the early 80s before mountain biking was really a thing and they were, you know, they went to, they both went to CU Boulder and they both studied cartography and they were like riding mountain bikes around Boulder and around Crested Butte. And there were no maps. There were no maps of trails. There were no, um, yeah, there was, there was no way to get an, an idea of like where you could mountain bike. And so they created a mountain biking map for Crested Butte and for Boulder. And then they just went from there. And now they do these incredible maps. It's not just for mountain biking, it's hiking and um, everything. Uh, And they've got them all over Colorado and parts of Utah. And um, they've got recommendations for all these areas now. And uh, yeah, that's their thing pretty cool i'm just looking at their map and or their website and as you said they've got several for utah and then a bunch for colorado and so it looks like it's a really nice kind of tri-folding ish 
map. So on the front side is the topo with the with the trails, as you mentioned, and then it must be on the back that the big list is located. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And your website shows a picture of a partial list, which is super helpful. So if you go yeah. to micaelizabethling.com and click on that life in a map, you'll see part of the list. And it sounds like this really began for you with this drony gulch loop. Um, yeah. and, and then you've been off and running ever since. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. And I even contacted them. I mean, even before I was like, I'm going to write an article about you, which is honestly kind of my routine. It's like anything, anytime I find something cool, I'm just like, I'm going to write, write an article about this. So, but even before I, you know, got that assignment, I contacted them and was just like, uh, thank you. <laughs> I've only, at that point, I had only done a few, but I was just like, man, these are really great recommendations. And um, I just, wanted to reach out and thank you for doing this and like have you done all of these or like how does it work and so we <clears throat> went back and forth quite a few times and they have they've done almost all of them and uh and if not they have like friends that they trust do do these different hikes and then and then tell them like is that is this one worthy of going on the recommendations list and um so that's how they compile those lists and uh, they are, they're all different and there haven't been any, I'm about, I'm about halfway through now and there haven't been any that I've thought, oh, that was lame. <laughs> Isn't that something? More than, more often than not, I have either done them twice or three times or have been like, oh, I can't wait to see this in the fall. Like mo most of the time I'm like, oh, I can't wait to do this one again. <laughs> um, which is not great. <laughs> like it's, it's kind of slowing me down. But like, um, for instance, H Hope Pass, which is maybe people know about that one if they're in the area, because that's kind of the, the famous turnaround point for the Leadville 100 trail race. Oh. And, um, that is my favorite and I've done it three times, three or four times. And honestly, I, I would, I would go back and do that every day <laughs> because it's just such an amazing trail. So beautiful, really tough, but you know, you get above tree line and it's just gorgeous views. I think it's as good as any 14 er views. And it's just, every time I've done it, it's been so lovely. Um, but you know, <laughs> so I've done hope past three or four times, but there are still still some on the map that I haven't done. So it's kind of like stop repeating yourself. So this is so I want to pause you there a couple times because you said a couple big things there. So first is that you're almost halfway through this list, which is sixty-two trail recommendations and local 14ers. So you're not just doing bike rides and trail hikes. You're also throwing in 14ers, which for those listeners not from Colorado means climbing mountains up to or above 14,000 feet. Um, you attempted to take me on my first ever 14er. You and I tried Mount Yale and I was just having a horrible day and ended up having to turn around about a mile or so from the top. So I still have yet to get to my first 
14 or um but you're you're scaling these like crazy i mean you're eating 14ers for breakfast lunch and dinner and you're really clicking off this list uh but as you and i talked about over the weekend you know there's a limited weather season that permits some of these higher uh altitude adventures so how do you kind of see the next couple months unfolding yeah um that's a good point i try to be organized, but also not turn this into like work. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, I do have a spreadsheet. I have a couple spreadsheets actually, <laughs> um, just to keep track of what I've completed. And then I've got the whole list written out so that I can see it, you know, in a spreadsheet and not just on the map. And I do have like it, it, it was important to me to start getting the 14ers as soon as I could in the season. So, um, yeah, I started, I started doing the 14ers early June. Uh, the first week of June, I think is when we went up Yale and, um, and I have four left. So I have four 14ers left and I have actually made a couple substitutes. The thing about this project is that you just, it's just nonstop learning. So, you know, anytime 14ers are a particular group of people, like people, yeah. who, people who are really into, I mean, you've got people coming from, um, you know, all over the country and they have it in their mind that they want to hike a 14er because that just has this prestige, you know, but then the people who are locals and who just love 14ers, they're, they are a particular group, um, even beyond just like hikers. <laughs> um, but they love to talk. And, and I have found that to be really, really fun. And um, I do, I like to, I like to keep it moving. I like to go kind of as fast as I can. I mean, I love to enjoy the thing, but I, I do like, I don't dilly dally. <laughs> no, you don't. So, um, so, so I don't love to just like, chat and chat and chat to everyone. But it is really fun to meet people on the trail and on 14 er trails, you definitely have really cool conversations. And, um, and so along the way, you just, uh, you hear from people who have their own projects going, you know, I met somebody who was doing 14, 14 ers in 14 days. And, wow. Uh, um, and so he like, you know, you just, you get the Intel and, and I've had, many conversations like probably four different people have told me along the way that their least favorite 14er is Mount Princeton. Oh, interesting. And so why is that? I it's I think it's just really super steep and really rocky and just kind of to the point of not being fun. Got it. And uh so I've so I have vetoed that one. I mean, I'm sure I'll do it eventually. But for the project, you know, you just like, you learn things. And so. And like, why not focus on the ones that are more fun? Yeah, exactly. And I've heard amazing things about Mount Massive. And uh, so I'm substituting that. <laughs> so Good for you. You just like, you make little changes and you learn things along the way. And so, um, yeah, but you've got to stay excited for it. You know, you, you can't have something that you're just like, ugh, and now I have to go do this, and I'm sure it's not going to be fun. So instead, yeah, I'm just like, oh, now I want to do Mount Massive because, like, I've heard great things about that one. So, 
Um, yeah. So I'm not like, I want to do everything on the map, but I also, you know, you're I keeping wanna, it fun. I, I like that. Yeah. I like that. And to clarify, some of these are bikeable, either mountain bike or gravel. Some are straight up hikes, like some of the 14ers and some of them are run or runnable. And just a glance at the photo that you posted, like a couple of these are just very simple, small trails here in, in Salida proper, like the Monarch Spur Trail is a paved 2.4 mile, you know, paved bike path, basically. And it's marked with an E, which is super easy. So some of these, you could theoretically click off several of them in one day, yeah. um, which is awesome. But then some of them are really big feats, like the sections of the Colorado Trail, yeah. which um, for listeners not from Colorado, that's a 500 mile pretty gnarly from what I understand mountain bike trail from Denver to Rango that people yeah. will attempt either hike or mountain bike usually in the course of, you know, multiple weeks. And I imagine that logistically getting out to those, it looks like it's called segment 14, 15 and 16. Yeah. Um, you know, that's probably a whole feat in and of itself. And I know you'd mentioned that maybe at some other point you were just going to tackle the trail in its entirety. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> the Colorado trail segments, I'm kind of like putting those on pause. Yeah. So I, I kind of want to, yeah, exactly. Like you said, I kind of want to tackle the Colorado trail in a, in its own project. And I don't know that I would do it all at once, all in one trip, but I do. Yeah. I'm thinking of that as like a, a separate project. So that makes total sense. I'll get to the Colorado trail, uh, maybe next year or something. There you um, go. That'll be your 22 goal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but for sure. So, and that is kind of a nice, um, a nice break from, you know, doing like I, I have done, I've had a couple weeks where I've done two 14ers in one week. And so it is kind of nice to go to the map and, and find something that's just like close and easy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, because it's not a small undertaking to drive to the base of a 14er and to yeah. be out hiking at or before sunrise that, you know, that it is a whole day uh, yeah. invested, if not more. And the recovery, of course, is is something else, too. So, yeah. um, you know, bravo to you for clicking off as much as you have, given what kind of a short season it is between the end of spring and the beginning of fall to stick some of this stuff in there so it sounds like hope pass is a resounding hell yes (laughs) from you and i know you had mentioned recently you did the other side of antero and that was what little browns creek yeah yeah if i remember right and you really seemed like you liked that one a lot yes um that mountain antero was one of those ones again like princeton that i had heard is not as fun and it's because there's two approaches on the St. Elmo side, which is kind of the most popular. It's basically an ATV road, which is just, you know, Jeeps and off-road vehicles going up this really rocky, like gnarly road. And the reason that's so popular is because you can essentially drive up a 14er, which mm-hmm. is <laughs> really cool if you've got those vehicles. Um, but kind of a pain to share the road with vehicles if you're just hiking. Yeah, yep. <laughs> that was one. That was one that I was kind of like, oh, man, maybe I'll substitute something for that one. And then a friend of mine uh, posted pictures on Instagram of 
doing Antero from the Browns Creek side. And I was like, wait, whoa, what's, how do you do this? <laughs> I didn't know about that. And it's, it's almost the same. I mean, it's like 16 and a half miles round trip. So it's a big day. Wow. Um, no kidding. She was like, no one takes this trail. I don't know why. I don't know why this isn't the most popular version of this. It's, uh, it's just this phenomenal trail. No one is on it and it goes to Antero and then you're only with the ATVs for like <clears throat> half a mile. And so I did that and it was just like, <laughs> so amazing. It was such a beautiful day trail to myself Wow. Exactly as described, like you don't get to the road until the very, very end. And it was just, yeah, it was phenomenal. Like I, that's one that I would do again for sure. That's great. All right. I'm going to have to beg you to take me on that yeah, one. Yeah, um, and for our listeners who are hearing her describe all these amazing things and would like to see it for themselves, you must follow Micah on Instagram because she takes amazing photos of her adventures. And your handle again is the real Micah Ling, right? Yeah. Yes. The real Michael Ling. Yeah. Is it the real, the real Michael Ling? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we'll have a link to that on our website too, awesome. but you must check her out and follow her there. And so with about half the list to go and, um, you know, a good chunk of the best weather in terms of August, September, early October yeah. to get some of those things done. Uh, I'm super excited to see how this all unfolds for you. You've definitely made some amazing progress. Is there any advice you would give to someone? I mean, I look at this map and directions are not my strongest suit, or I should say sort of navigational stuff. Uh, this is intimidating to me when I look at it. I just ordered a copy of the map before we hopped on our call, but um, you seem to have just sort of tackled it without much hesitation. So what advice would you give someone like me who's maybe a little gun shy about figuring this stuff out? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. I <clears throat> honestly, and this was one of the intentions was really to, to just learn the area, to learn, to learn where I live. <laughs> um, and to, so this has forced me to like, look up where those trailheads are. And, um, this, this has started happening more and more is that, the more trails I've done and the more trail heads I've looked up, the more I realize how many trail systems are connected. Ah, uh, okay. So, like I was, I did, um, Hartenstein Lake today cause it was just kind of an easy one and my dog needed some exercise. And so we just, uh, ran that one and it's the same trailhead as, you know, all these other trails. And then looking at the map, forces me to see that like oh technically you could keep going on that trail and go all the way over to this other trailhead where you know some other trails are that I've done and then you know you just start realizing oh my gosh gotcha it's not this it's not this like this trailhead goes to this trail and then you go back to that trailhead it's like you know if you wanted to you could go I mean you know, yeah, you start to figure out how to piece together your own adventure. Yeah, yeah. How everything's I mean, linked. This is not like a new realization. Mm. Like that's the whole idea with through hiking is that you just sure you just go all the way through and you just stay on the trails. Um, but it is cool to realize 
that it's just kind of this web and that lots of these things are connected and that there's different ways of doing different things. Um, but, and so, so that is one thing that you can do is just kind of like figure out the trailheads that are easy to get to because you're right. That is a huge challenge. Some of them are like, you know, <laughs> it takes half the morning just to get to the trailhead. Right. Right. Um, and so, so finding those trailheads that, you know, are pretty easy to get to and, and figuring out what trails you can do from there. And, and the cool thing about the map and why I really like it is that it does, it gives you, you know, at least a few sentences of, how difficult it is to get to this trailhead, you know, if they, if it requires four wheel drive or whatever. And then it also gives you, you know, how much elevation gain is, is on that trail and obviously the, the distance. And so, you know, picking those, those shorter, those shorter trails with, you know, not as much elevation gain and just figuring out what that feels like. And then, going for a trail that maybe takes you above tree line, which is usually about 11,300 feet and just feeling what it's like to be up that high. And then, you know, slowly going higher and going longer. It just um, definitely ease into it, you know? And then also just what you like. Like a lot of these again are mountain bike trails. And then some of them are strictly foot trails and, um, so yeah, just just kind of picking what sounds like it would be fun and then trying it and it and, you know, you learn something. You learn tons every time. You learn you know, different what different kinds of trails are like if it's just really single track and lots of smooth surfaces versus, you know, some trails are just like super steep and rocky. Some some trails kind of require um, you know, like trekking poles and some are just like, well, I could jog this whole thing. Um, so it is a lot of, you know, just figuring, figuring it out as you go. And that's, uh, that's one of the things that I like, you know? <laughs> well, okay. So you touched on a good couple points there and I want to circle back on those and it, it dovetails really nicely from my last guest, Danny, who had run rim to rim to rim. And he was talking about, respecting mother nature and respecting the outdoors. And, um, you know, just to be clear for our listeners, like you did not tackle this map off the couch. You are a longtime athlete, collegiate runner. You know, you had some significant fitness in your body before you undertook some of these more significant hikes and rides. But in addition, you're also really smart about what you take with you. And I know we've talked a lot about the Garmin inReach and having that satellite device as a a really nice backup because we don't usually have cell signal in these places that you're talking about. And it allows you to call for SOS if you really get in bad trouble or else to be able to text your husband and use your phone to communicate your location. Um, What are a few of the other things? I mean, obviously you mentioned at one point checking weather and keeping tabs on weather and, and the way those storms can move in at higher elevations, but you know, what else would you recommend that people either just consider or spend some time researching before undertaking something like this? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, and that, I, that is something that you, um, maybe unconsciously acquire just living in Colorado and, sure. and being, you know, 
out in the wilderness in the mountains um that that isn't just obvious to a lot of people and um and i and i think that that is not talked about enough that um you know it's really easy for especially colorado locals to make fun of people who come to the mountains and are ill-equipped and you know uh just carrying a bottle of water or whatever and it and it's really easy for us to chuckle but it's also like there there isn't a lot of um education out there about uh you know because it's kind of honestly this is kind of like my whole life also every like everyone thinks that they know how to hike because you know how to walk and it's just like walking in the woods right (laughs) and it's just like everyone thinks they know how to write like nobody thinks that writing an article is really that hard because everyone learns how to write (laughs) in school and so it's just like yeah what's the big deal I'm sure I could write which is fine (laughs) and I'm sure lots of people could but there is this misconception of like I don't need to learn how to hike right it's just like walking (laughs) but and so I don't really fault people for being ill-equipped for the mountains and for the wilderness because those are things that you just kind of have to learn and I think it is ridiculous to make fun of people uh especially instead of like genuinely giving them some tips you know because it's just like I moved here from New York City, you know, and the first time I was above 10,000 feet, I was just like, what is going on? (laughs) Like, I can't even talk and walk at the same time, not even on trails. We're just talking about like down the street. (laughs) So yeah, there's lots, there's lots to learn and, and lots to know and, and lots of things that aren't obvious. And, um, the, and so I have over the five years that I've lived in Colorado learned so much and I'm still learning constantly, which again is something that I love about the project, but there's, you know, there's all different kinds of land and different things that you're allowed to do on different, on different, um, kinds of land, like, um, where you can camp and where you can have a bike and where you can't have a bike. And just, you know, it is so important to learn those things and to respect it. And, you know, that's the only way that these trails are going to last and the, and that the land is going to remain uh, so beautiful. Um, but the things that I carry, so the things that I've sort of learned, especially in this project, is to, to really uh, be prepared for even things that you think will not happen, you know? Uh, to be almost over-prepared. And the in-reach, for sure, I never go anywhere without it. It um, Even if I think I'm going to be in a place that has cell phone range, yep. uh, I still bring it with me because it's just like... Why not? Yeah, and, yep. and that's another advantage of having worked on a lot of outdoor adventure magazines. <laughs> I've had a lot of experience with stories that you know, things, things have went real sideways in the wilderness. <laughs> yeah. and it can happen so fast. And, um, and so that's one thing that's just like, it's very, very small. It's very, very easy to pack and it could so easily 
like literally save your life in so many situations. Yep. And uh, so I, I always have in reach and, and one thing that I've learned recently and especially in this project is like taking enough calories and nutrition for almost double the time that you think you're going to be out. So instead of, instead of packing, you know, a protein bar and some dried fruit because you're going to be out for, you know, two or three hours packing like four bars because it's just like, you never know, especially when you're going up really high, your body, I mean, your body is just working really hard. Just being at certain altitudes does weird things. <laughs> like you're all of a sudden you can feel really shaky and you can feel like, oh man, I need food in me now. And so you want to have that on you. <laughs> you don't want to be like, oh, I, I decided to not carry the weight of, you know, two more right. protein two bars. bars. <laughs> it's just like, no, it's worth it. Just pack extra food. And also you never know what's going to happen with the weather and whatever. And, um, and yeah, I, I'm sort of obsessed with sunrise. That's like my favorite part of the day. I could see sunrise from the top of a mountain and just be happy for the rest of the day. Just seeing sunrise is my favorite thing, which is a huge benefit because that's the best time to to be out and to really be back down below tree line, you know, by noon is kind of the goal. And sure. and so that's another thing that you kind of learn is that weather can just change so crazily, especially in the mountains. Just like totally blue skies the forecast says nothing but sun and all of a sudden there is a literal hailstorm and it's 40 degrees and so you know i also and when you're above trail line a tree line you have very minimal shelter too yeah exactly yep. and i and so i always always carry if i'm going above tree line i always carry a pretty intense totally waterproof jacket and um and i've also started carrying um aqua tabs which filter which kill anything in um in the water so if i you know if i pack two liters of water i'll also always pack aqua tabs so that i can fill up my pouch with you know creek water put an aqua tab in there and in 30 minutes i have totally pure two more liters of water so that's kind of a an insurance thing as well so that most trails in colorado i mean once you get into like october it might not be as many available um, water sources but most trails in colorado you're crossing creeks and you have access to some water so sure I, I try and be aware of, of those water sources as well. Can you, as you're taking all these things into account, um, for someone who's done a lot less of this type of exploring than you have, I can envision myself sitting down and going way down the rabbit hole for like four or five hour, hours researching <laughs> the various nuances of the trail I'm about to take on, whether it's weather, whether it's um possible like obstacles like shale or rocky something this that or the other um 
you know, how, how does one approach this methodically and intelligently without giving up an entire day to trying to plot out one of these adventures? Or is that just part of it, especially when you're new? Um, no, I mean, well, I use, or especially in the beginning of this project, and when I was pretty new to Colorado, the, the website and app All Trails. Okay. A-L-L Trails. Okay. Um, and that has a lot of people giving, you can write a review of the trail and it's really nice to look at the most recent reviews. I mean, some really popular trails will have, you know, a dozen reviews every day and, um, and then, uh, less frequented trails will have sort of only a couple reviews but usually on all trails, you can get a good idea of what to expect because there's all kinds of different, um, all different levels of people hiking. And so, you know, a lot of times people will write in their reviews, uh, this was my first Colorado 14er. I came from, you know, Chicago and all I did to prepare for this was hike a, a trail in Denver. And then we came up here and whatever. And so if that sounds like you, you can be like, Oh, okay. I'm going to see what they say. Or, you know, like a lot of times when I write reviews, I say like, I've hiked tons of trails in this area and I do a lot of trail running and this took me, you know, three hours so that people know, Oh, okay. Well, she's really experienced and it took her three hours, but this other guy sounds more like me. And it took him five hours. Gotcha. So you can so, plan based on others' experience. Yeah. And, okay. and also a lot of people give like heads up on uh, what there's Trees a lot of crossings on sure. there. So, you know, your feet might get wet or, um, you know, early in the season, there was a lot of, there's still a lot of snow on this trail. So pack, you know, micro spikes or you definitely need snowshoes or, um, Lots of things like that. So All Trails is a great resource, especially for uh, more beginners. So okay. you can see like what people are saying about the trail um, and and how different experiences have been for people recently. Yeah. So on that note, what I know you've had a pretty positive experience. Have you you've been clicking off the list, and so maybe it's not even one of the list ones, maybe it's one when you first moved here, but what has been one of your more prominent sort of, oh shit moments, like weather changed or you were further away from something than you thought, or you had yourself in a bit of a, a bind. Has that, has anything like that ever happened to you? Um, I have had, luckily, um, <laughs> I've been pretty lucky in, um, I, I have taken some falls, especially, uh, trail running. A lot of times, uh, when I'm trail running, I, my, I just sort of like <laughs> start, you know, going into my own head and just like thinking about other things. And I can really get into a rhythm when I'm running, um, of just like, you know, doing, doing the, the mind thing. And so I have, so it, when that happens, when I'm not like ultra focused on every rock on the trail and like only thinking about my run, um, I am definitely prone to, to taking a trip. Gotcha. <laughs> I have, I've definitely like, well, I've, 
taken a couple of trips to the emergency room uh, to get like stitches in my knee. And one time I had to get staples in my head. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's um, right. And of course, yeah. we're skipping right past the part where you obviously had to get yourself back to the car and get yeah. home for those trips to take place. Yeah. So <laughs> I guess that's where I consider myself lucky. I've always okay. been pretty close to the trailhead when those things have happened. I don't know if that indicates that I fall when I'm tired. Oh, that I'm could usually, be. I'm, I'm usually pretty much done. And then something <laughs> and then, happens. And then I take a fall. Um, I mean, it hasn't happened that many times, but the times that I've had to get those stitches or staples, I've been, um, I've been within a, a couple miles of the, of the trailhead, which is not necessarily like nothing. <laughs> um, but, but it's better, better than 15 me. miles away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so, and, and every time that happens, it does make you a little bit like, uh, gun shy, you know, Sure, it makes you sure like, Oh, I don't know if I want to go back out there this week, but I'm usually, I'm usually pretty easy to get over those things. Just like kind of a back good in- reminder to keep your head on the, in the trail and, and just to be extra careful. And, you know, maybe the next time I'll bring my trekking poles and just kind of sure. like take things slower and just hike it down instead of run down. Um, but the, generally those things don't, I mean, I totally understand why those do dissuade people from yeah. getting back out there and it's totally understandable, but I just love it so much that <laughs> I'm kind of like, is this healed yet? Cause <laughs> You know, I'm ready to get one day, but <laughs> I'm ready to go back. Yeah. Hey, you raise a great point about the poles because I have seen kind of half folks using them, half half folks not. Sometimes we see them with trail runners. Sometimes we only see them with hikers. Yeah. What's What's your take on them? I mean, I know the mm-hmm. ultra distance runners just swear by them, but yeah, it does seem yeah. like it's one more thing and one more muscle group you're using with arms right. and hands. What do you recommend? Yeah. I I thought the same thing for a long time. I kind of resisted it. Like, it's just another thing to carry. And I don't think I would use them really. But on, on the 14ers, some of these 14ers, I started just being so uh, nervous. They get, it gets so steep and very rocky, lots of loose rock. And those poles are, I mean, there have been several hikes, especially really high up where I have thought, I do not know how people do uh. it without these. And, and they're very, very light and mine fold up so that I can actually put them in my backpack. Nice. And so the, I don't think they get in the way at all. And I'm almost, I mean, I don't take them on every trail, but if I'm like 14ers for sure, um, especially if I know it's really steep at the top and like really rocky, definitely bring them. Um, and I haven't, I haven't ever taken them and been like, Ugh, I wish I didn't bring these. It, if I do have a trail where it's like, uh, I want to run all the way down, I'll just fold them up and put them in my bag or even just carry them both in one hand. There's, they're very light. And um, yeah, I've never felt like, once I finally uh, bit the bullet and bought them, I've never felt like they were in the way. Okay. So, yeah. Good to know. Seems yeah. like a good thing to have in one's arsenal then if one's going to be doing some of the higher hikes. Yeah. 
just a balance thing, you know, it's just like, it just makes me so much more confident on those. Yes. Especially descents. I feel like that's something sure. that people don't really think about when you think about climbing a mountain, it's like the going up is the hardest part. Mm, but sometimes my experience. many times it's like the coming down is so scary. And most of the falls happen coming down. Yep. Obviously, yep. you know, gravity is <laughs> pushing you down, but yeah, those slips and falls coming, it's coming down when those happen. Yep. I can totally see that. Well, and as we experienced uh, this weekend, or as I witnessed and observed in you, um, someone listening to this may be thinking, well, that's great that you're doing all these hikes, but I have all these um, perhaps cycling specific goals. And this seems like this would really detract from my cycling performance. But what I observed with you is that it's made you a really strong and all around kind of um, balanced athlete. And it certainly did not uh, restrict you in any way on our big 110 mile ride. So do you, do you agree with that, that this has really strengthened your legs and actually made you a better cyclist? Yeah, for sure. And that's very kind of you to say. <laughs> well, it's true. Um, yeah. I, and I've always enjoyed a, a pretty big variety of activities. I've never been someone who, well, that's not true. Not never. I mean, yeah, like you said, I, I ran cross country in college and, and for a long time I was just a runner. Um, and then when I came to Colorado, I, I really got on the bike, different kinds of bikes. And, but I love, I mean, that's something I love about being out here is there's just so much to do. And there are things that you can't see if you're only ever on a bike, right? you know, and there, you know, I love, I, I, I feel like I'm not amazing athlete in any specific discipline, but like get on skis, get on snowshoes, you know, try a mountain bike get on a road bike, like try everything because it, why not? You know, yes. and if there's something that you try and you're just like, Oh, that sucked. I mean, yeah. Don't keep doing that if you don't want to, but <laughs> there have been so many things that I've tried, uh, that, that it's just like, Oh, Whoa. Well now I want to do this all the time. And, <laughs> and yes, I mean, since being in Salida, I would say when I was on the front range, I was probably 80 to 90% just like riding a road bike mm -hmm. and occasionally, you know, like doing a hike or a run. Um, but since I've been in the mountains, I would say it's like 50% bike stuff and 50% other things. Cause it's just like, I want to try it all. <laughs> totally. And, and it's I, more accessible to you too here. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I, and I do think that that helps the biking. Like, I think Absolutely. I can get burned out if I'm just doing the same thing every day. Um, and so I think, you know, yeah, I think, of course, hiking mountains must have some benefit to being on the bike. And I think running definitely pays off on the bike. I, I know other people will say differently um, that running just really bangs you up and and wears out your joints but I, I don't know I think a variety is key I think um not doing any one thing too much and just yep. kind of changing it up and and one thing that I have also noticed is like 
just letting go of the numbers, you know, yeah. I, I feel like uh, it's so easy to get caught up in the, like the data, the yep. data, the competition on Strava and the, I've got to climb 10,000 feet on the bike every week and like, whatever. I mean, it's, it's great to set goals and to achieve those and, and all that stuff. But like the thing that the map project has done for me is just like, Oh my God, look at this view. Like, <laughs> look at this place this where I live is everything. Just, yes, it was very hard to get here. I'm sure I got an awesome workout. I, I bet my heart is very healthy, <laughs> but look at this mountain. Like, look at this lake. Look at this view. This is what it's all about for me. I, I have gone away from competing with myself so much in, you know, the numbers game and more, but w what cool thing can I see this week? <laughs> you know, I think that's so much more fun than just being like, how many feet can I climb on Strava? Right. <laughs> you know? right. Right. You found, you found your challenge and you're, you're definitely stepping up to it in this life in the map, but you're doing it in a fun way and not in an all consuming, let's make this feel like work kind of way, which yeah. um, those of us who consider ourselves, you know, athletes can be very guilty of doing. So I, I super appreciate the way you've taken it on and, and obviously demonstrated that the body benefits from the variety and you still can ride a bike like a total beast. And yet your, <laughs> um, you know, your body physically is going to be rewarded with the, the variety because I know you throw in some swims and some yeah. really easy walks and hikes too. So all of that's so good for you just as a human yeah and yeah, um you know like then nothing's breaking down from just overuse and uh so i think that's really right. good i think we could all we would all benefit from adopting a bit more of that well-rounded approach so bravo yeah no uh, i i mean it is it's all about finding your adventure you know like i that's the thing that i love so much like i don't i don't even really think about the workout anymore. I just think of like, what adventure can I go on? I always just want to go on an adventure, <laughs> you know, it's like, um, what thing can I discover? And, and that's just so exciting. And, and to build up to being able to go on bigger adventures, I think is the ultimate goal. You know, it's like, whoa, okay, so now I've done this 17 mile hike with all, you know, climbing all these mountains. And I saw even more than I thought I could possibly see in a day. And so now, you know, what else is possible? But I also, I also have to say, like you were saying, those easier days are also magnificent. You know, yes. like, I think it's very easy and sometimes upsetting when it's like, the ultra things just keep getting bigger and now yes. people are running a hundred miles and now people are running 200 miles and now people are like, yes, you know, living on the trail for a month, which is cool and fun and good for them. But you know, it doesn't always have to be okay. Now I've done 17. I have to do 18 and then I have to do 20. It can also be, be like, okay, that was a really big adventure. And but also today I just want to walk down to the pond with my dog. And that's also an adventure, you know, like, yes, I can also just like chat with someone who's fishing and 
that can be just as fulfilling as literally being on the the highest mountain in Colorado. So I think it, yeah, it's all about the balance. It's all about like just listening to your body and, and doing what makes you happy today. You know, it's like, yeah, there is just such a balance and, and, and just being in tune with that and, and, and finding the adventure in kind of like everything you do. I love it. That's what I've learned that from the maps for sure. And I do appreciate that those really, those smaller, super short things are on the map as well, because you have to do those too. And it's like, exactly. (laughs) this was just a mile and a half in town, but you know, I saw whatever, this little kid taking his, his first bike ride with his mom. And that was pretty cool too. Yes. Yes. And you still get to check something off the list yeah. and it didn't require any driving and it didn't have to right. go be epic to still be yeah. super yeah. enjoyable. And I think that is a really important lesson. I, I do love what you just said about finding what and doing what makes you happy today and sort of yeah also acknowledging that that can change on a day-to-day basis depending on everything else going on in life yeah. so that's that's good it, it's the the big days and the small days both right um before I let you off the hook here I wanted to quickly talk about one of your bigger days on the bike we had talked about it briefly on one of our rides and then I read more about it on your website but you had rented um well, probably multiple city bikes since you, the batteries or whatever probably don't last all day, but you did a century in New York City on a city bike, which is part of the New York bike share program. Um, for those who don't know what a city bike is, it's like a 50 pound commuter bike that's part of the, the bike share program. And you did it as a fundraiser. And I would love if you would just talk a little bit about that. You just did it in um, July of 2020. Like what in the world was that like pushing such a huge ass bike that far? Yeah, actually I did work with city bike. And so they unlocked a bike for me to have all day. So I was on the same bike. Okay. Um, Yeah. And uh, (laughs) I did actually think uh, at the end of that epic day, when I turned that bike back into the dock, and thanked it for its service. <laughs> I did think, <laughs> I, I hope no one takes you right back out. Like, <laughs> you need a break, my yeah, friend. <laughs> you need to rest a couple hours. <laughs> um, That's hilarious. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, last year was just such a crazy year. And uh, I feel like a lot of necessary things happened. And uh, amid some of that, some of the discussions and some of the uh the things that were happening last year um i just i just started thinking about like i think i listened to um you know several different podcasts where a lot of people were talking about being overwhelmed and and not knowing like what they could do or what they should do in in, in all these situations that we were facing last year. And I, I think I started thinking about like, well, everyone should just do uh, what, what, they can, what they can, like what they're good at. Like, how can you use what you're good at to, to bring something positive to the world? Like, I mean, maybe that's just life goals for every single day of your life, <laughs> but like, how can, even if, 
if you're only good at, you know, a couple of things, how could you use those skills to do something positive? And so, uh, I mean, I, since I, I lived in New York City and my twin brother lives in New York City and um, I had been planning to visit, but I was like, I want to do something like for myself, but also for, uh, to, to bring about something positive. Yep. And so like last year, I just feel like everyone had this, uh, this energy and I, I just wanted to do something big because it was like, uh, there's so much to be like upset about and confused about and, uh, just all this energy. So I wanted to do something big. And so, I mean, but it wasn't that big a deal. I mean, you know, for me, it wasn't such a feat to just ride a hundred miles. I had done that many times. And, and so I was, uh, talking to my brother Thomas and I was just like, I want to do something big when I come to New York, but I also want to like do something positive. And, um, I don't want the light shot. I don't want to shine a light on me. It's not like, Oh, look at me. I can do this, this big physical feat and I'm amazing. But I wanted to do something that would have like a result. Um, and I had worked with um, We Bike NYC, which is an organization that gets more women on bikes. Yeah. And I had interviewed the Brown Bike Girl for an article, uh, and she just does amazing work uh, getting people underserved communities on bikes and getting bike infrastructure and teaching people about biking in the city. Um, and then a friend of mine runs Pasca Yaki, which is uh, an organization that gets um, kids on reservations uh, bikes and teaches them how to use that and gives them helmets and lights and all this stuff. And so I had been talking to all these people sort of, Already. Yeah. Throughout yeah. the year last year. And, um, and so I was like, okay, I'm going to try and raise as much money as I can from donations. And I'm going to ride a hundred miles on a city bike, uh, and just see, see where it goes. Just start putting that out there that, that I'm going to do this thing. And lots of sponsors helped me out and city bike helped me out city bike actually matched all of my donations. And so we ended up raising like all in, I think it was over $6,000. Amazing. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And so we split that among the three, uh, the Brown awesome, bike, Girl, we bike and Pasca Yaki. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's not like that changed the world, <laughs> but um, I know, but in a year when people had really locked down their charitable giving and there was just yeah, so much yeah. uncertainty for one person to go do something for a day and raise six grand. That's so remarkable. You should be yeah. really proud of yourself. Well, that's I, really it was, cool. It was cool. I mean, the thing I learned from that is just like how many people helped me, which I think is the huge takeaway is like, ask for help yes. no matter what and you're doing. people be part of your thing they want yeah. to be part of yes. it and and yeah no matter what you're doing or what you're asking you will find people and it it, it blew my mind how many people helped me like i got some huge donations from people that i didn't even know that's and awesome. it just got like this thing got passed around 
and you know people in new york city especially appreciated like <laughs> the feet of what bike, you were doing <laughs> a city bike is so crazy and, and riding in the city is crazy and uh so and <laughs> it was like at the end of july i'm pretty sure it ended up being the hottest day of the year oh uh, no i started at 4 a.m and um uh, <clears throat> But it was it was another one of those things. It was just like I saw sunrise. I saw the trail go from I basically just rode the West Side Highway trail up and down so that I wouldn't be <clears throat> in traffic. And yeah, I, I saw sunrise. I, I, the trail went from literally no one on it for the first several laps to just being totally packed and you know people and then quieting being, down later again. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah. And I, you know, I rode through fountains because it was so hot and people were like, my brother was filming it. And it was just this crazy so awesome. experience that all came together. And it was like, I, you know, I was just one part of it, which is really cool. It's like anyone can create that, you know, it's just like rallying this community and asking for help and people like acknowledging you and wanting to help is is the big takeaway. And it was like, yeah, it's actually not that hard. Like when we come together, I mean, it sounds so cheesy, but it's like, all I did was put this out there. You know, I like, I put it on my website. I told a few people, I got some cool sponsors to help me. And then it just took off, you know? And it was like, whoa, okay. I, my faith in humanity is restored. Oh, All I, I have to, to do that. now is ride a city bike a hundred miles, like no big deal. Uh, <laughs> and these organizations are doing the really cool, hard work and necessary work. And so to me, it was just like, oh, all I have to do is ride a bike a hundred miles. This is exactly what I wanted to do. And now it's like the light, you know, I'm putting this spotlight on these these really cool people who are doing like really, really cool work. So yeah, that was super fun. Good on you. But it's also, I mean, the other lesson is like, get a little creative, you know, is like, come up with something that nobody's ever done. Exactly. You know, it's like, instead of just doing what lots of people have done, think of something that like, is a little bit different than what everyone's done. And you'll have a great time doing it, but also it'll be like um, giving other people ideas for trying their own thing. You know, I can't, so many people were like, whoa, that's a really cool idea. I want to do something like that. And it's like, yeah, make Go do it. own project. <laughs> like find, yeah, find your own like weird thing that you're going to do and do it, you know? way to be the beacon of hope and <laughs> just remind people of their own capabilities and their own capacity. Sometimes I think we do all kind of look around and go, well, who's going to take charge here? And this was a great reminder that we can all literally just do what we can with what we have, where we are. I think yeah. that that day and that venture really proved that, that one person can strike out, ask for some help, raise $6,000 for really deserving causes and um, and it doesn't need to be much more complicated than that to be effective and to be meaningful and impactful. Yeah. So that's an awesome reminder. And I would encourage folks to read about that on your 
website as well, uh, which is just so cool that you did an entire hundred miles on a city bike. I can't even believe that. Yeah. Oh, Miss Micah, you are so inspiring. I'm so glad our paths have crossed. Oh, me too. Totally. Yeah. And it it's always like the cool thing is you just you always learn so much in these things. You know, that's why I love going on adventures, setting weird goals, asking for help, you know, getting other people involved because it's like you can't you can't be afraid to take that first step because like it's just going to be a weird fun like wild experience and you know I just feel like we all need more of those always <laughs> yes yes just know it's not going to be this perfect polish yeah, it's not going to be perfect for sure yep. it's never going to be perfect but you just gotta you just have to be resigned that it's not going to be perfect and that like control the controllables have the inreach in your pack put the other the other cliff bar in there Right. And just know that you're you're gonna encounter something that you could never have imagined and just like safely roll with it. <laughs> that sounds like great advice. Yeah. Don't don't let analysis paralysis keep you keep you out of the game, right? Like yeah, just yeah. just uh just go for it. As we learned even on Saturday during our <laughs> 110 mile adventure, there were a couple <laughs> wrong turns and a couple navigational uncertainties and yeah. Um, you know what? We all came out pretty okay at the end of the day and, um, and we have a great story to tell. And, you know, ultimately I think that's the goal is just to opt outside and get off the couch, get away from screens and go meet people and, and do interesting things. Um, really, I think you are like the quintessential kid in a candy shop, if you will, when it comes to outdoor exploring, (laughs) you certainly have this lifelong learner mentality. And I, would love to talk to you more about that. Maybe we need to do yeah. a second episode yeah, where we right. talk this fall after you've done a bit more of your, yeah, um, your list awesome. and we can kind of see, yeah, what additional lessons you've learned. And um, yeah, I would love to hear how the fall and winter turns out. And hopefully I can join yeah. you on another 14 or and actually make it to the top with you this time. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> yes, for sure. I would love that. Well, thanks for being on the show, Micah. I really appreciate your time and I look forward to part two with you sometime soon. Awesome. That sounds great. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to Maximum Enthusiasm with Megan Hopman. Subscribe, check out our blog, and learn more at MaximumEnthusiasm.com.